It's time for To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington, a power hour of all things Southern Miss. For questions or comments, call 601-261-0898 or pound 981 for C Spire customer. Now we go live to the studio with Jamie. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. I'm your host, Jamie Arrington, here with your weekly break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. In with me, as always, Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend, Jason Bailey. What's up, partner? To the top, brother. To the top. Uh, all right, so before we get to the Southern Miss stuff, final game, Game 7, World Series tonight. You've got on the Astros apparel. I do. I've got on the Dodgers apparel. So that's obviously how we think it's going to play out tonight. Well, I'm just glad that we could finally have two National League teams in the World Series. <laughs> I've been waiting for that forever. It's a very good point. It, you know, I, I mean, I'm still confused by the by the Astros being in the uh, American League, but hey, man, it's the way it is now, and it's made for a heck of a World Series. Yeah, well, and personally, I like I, I kind of dig how the Astros went about it. Yeah, you know, small market, um, call it analytics, call it money ball, call it wherever you want. But what was it three or four years ago where their entire salary was like twenty million dollars? Yeah. And uh, and just built it up through the farm system. And then when they needed to, they went out and got a piece. And that piece was Justin Verlander, who to this day, I can't understand how anybody can make contact ever. Well, <laughs> you know, 97, uh, ball moves everywhere. He's got a hammer, throw a slider for a strike anytime he wants to. He's fiance to Kate Upton. I was about to say, he, he brings you know? Kate Upton to the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good times. Well, the big Southern Miss news this week, we finally – have our apparel deal. John Gilbert alluded to it on last week's show. Adidas will be the new official apparel provider for Southern Miss Athletics. That will start at the end of the fiscal year and will run through the 24-25 season. This will be be an all-program deal, and a league, Adidas will supply headwear, apparel, and footwear and accessory needs for all of the athletic team. So it's out there. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, I love it. You know, you talk about a big player. Adidas is a huge player. And it's not like, you know, they have 100 other teams that they outfit. I think we're, I don't know, like 15 or 20. I think they said it was like 13 or 14, something like that. Yeah, so yeah. it's pretty exclusive. Um, I saw that you were uh, playing around with the uh, uniform generator or whatever on Twitter and Facebook, and everybody kind of got into it. It's cool, man. I can't wait to go out and give me some, some, some Adidas gear. And I'll tell you this. Everybody kind of wonders about Gilbert. And I know that people that listen to your interview, we got to know them a little bit better. This is why you hire somebody with that kind of experience, you know, to have these sort of connections, be able to pull off these kind of deals. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up about it. I can, and, and, you know, this is, like you said, all inclusive. There's 16 teams yeah. on campus that are going to gonna have this stuff. So, And you're not going to worry about the different colors, about the different anything else. Uh, and, and, and they are a big-time national player, I guess worldwide player. Yeah, and I so, love. I mean, I've wore their shoes and their. I think their shoes are probably the most comfortable of the three we had access to. Um, I, I like Asics. I, I'm wearing Nikes right now, but Asics I think are more comfortable. But, but Adidas are extremely comfortable. Their slides are comfortable. So from a from a growing man perspective, getting into my all close to my forties, it's nice to have the comfortable shoes on your feet. <laughs> yeah, well, and and I am forty. And let me say this: they're also heavily endorsed by Run DMC. There you go. Exactly. You'd be illin. The only thing, the only, my only drawback on Adidas 
was the way that some of the white football jerseys looked. I thought they looked a little too shiny. Well, no, it was just they looked like an undershirt. Like the way they have them cut underneath the arm. Maybe we'll be way more slippery. Well, yeah, maybe we'll be more slippery. And I'm sure we'll have some design there on the sleeve, the sleeve and the shoulder and all that good stuff. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm. Jason Jason Munns, Jason Munns reported that the the deal uh, he believed it to net us a net of about four million, which is terrific. That's, I mean, that's what this all came down to. I think you know Adidas's stock has been rising. Nike's and Under Armour not so much. Nike just got the NBA deal from Adidas, so Adidas probably has a little had a little more money to work with. So. You know, I think it's a great thing. I'm I'm really excited about it. You know, God bless Russell, but we've been waiting for this day since that deal was announced. Yeah, and honestly, nothing against Russell except for the um, perception. Yeah, I I, th- I thought the uniforms were fine. I thought the I thought, you know like the, the letters and everything were stitched in. I thought it was yeah, very professional. I, I like that. I did like that. Notch. Yeah, uh, it just said Russell on the side. Yeah, uh, yeah. The polo. So, I love the polos. The polos were 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 sharp. The ones that I had. So, don't name your kid Russell. Don't name your kid Russell. I've got a pretty cool guest today. Old buddy of mine from college, Benji Gray. He was a mascot at Tennessee. Uh, one of the mascots when I was at Southern Miss. So we had a fun conversation. And also, we are going to break down the disappointment from last weekend and kind of preview this week's game against Tennessee. So should be a uh, should be a great show, you guys. Stick around. We're going to take a break. Come right back to us. We're going to talk Southern Miss and UAB. School's back in session right here on To The Top Talk. Jamie Arrington in studio with Jason Bailey. Not the uh, not the best weekend last weekend. I, I'm unaware of what happened last weekend. Uh, you probably blacked out. It was the blackout game, and you probably blacked out. <laughs> I remember having a lot of fun. I remember I wore that Halloween mask like a champion, too. Yeah, you sure did. Um, but anyways, hey, always a great time being on campus. Good to see everybody. We had a great time tailgating. The the ball didn't bounce the way we'd hoped it would, obviously. But, um, you know, you got to shake it off and move on. So just real quick, what we learned and what we need to work on. What did we learn this week? Uh, number one, what we learned, establishing the run is essential to our success. The Golden Eagles are 0-3 this season when rushing for less than 150 yards. We are averaging 223.8 rushing yards in the five wins, and we're averaging 93.6 yards rushing in the three losses. Hmm. Ito Smith this past weekend, 12 carries for 39 yards. He also tacked on a huge 85-yard touchdown uh, reception. So he got his yards, but they just weren't on the ground. Tess Parks, one carry for negative two yards, and both quarterbacks combined 11 carries for 50 yards. So, you know, when we get away from the run, it, it seems to be detrimental to our to the outcome. And, you know, it's the chicken or the egg. I mean, do you, do you throw to open up the run? Do you uh, run to open up the pass? Um, last week, just neither ever neither got going. No, neither you know? got going. Um, and, and I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm not so much of a football expert where I can just point to one thing, but it's obvious that, that teams are going to try to stop Edo. 
And, you know, even like the week before, I thought that our game plan was brilliant with the amount of just uh, screen passes that we ran. Um, we got Ito involved on a couple wheel rounds. We ran that that jet sweep from the outside. Um, and I don't remember a whole lot of that happening. And I know that Tez never touched the ball. Well, you said one carry. He had one carry. Yeah, I was kind of surprised um, by that. I kind of thought and, he'd factor and, and, a little more. And he obviously wasn't—he obviously wasn't injured because he, remember, he made that play at the goal line on special teams where the punt—he uh, down the punt, he dove for it and caught the punt yeah. right there in front of us. Right. So he was good. Yeah. Um. And also, you know, I don't know if you're if you're Dawson, you got to get your best player of the football. Sure. So. If two of those times that, that Edo got stopped, uh, if he had broke it for, you know, 30 or 40 yards, will we be talking, will we, you know, be having a different conversation right now? I don't, I don't know, but but I do know that it didn't happen. Um, I, I really wonder if Edo was at full strength along with the rest of the team. That that La Tech game was a knockdown drag out. Well, and it, and it looks like you really only had – um, well, if you count Julian Allen, you had four, uh, you know, receivers have receptions. You know, Allen's A. Staggers, Corey Robertson, Tim Jones, and Julian Allen. Um, well, Isaiah Jones had one reception too, but it didn't really seem like they spread the ball out as much. Quez Watkins didn't have anything. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm ho- hopefully they can get get it remedied for this week. But that kind of brings us to number two. What would we have number two? Uh, number two. The QB battle is back on. Quadroy Griggs was inserted into the game in the fourth quarter after a few stagnant offensive drives. Overall, neither played terrible, neither played great. Keon Howard, 14 for 25 for 207 yards and one TD. Quadroy Griggs, 5 for 13 for 59 yards and one interception. You know, going into Eagle Walk, we saw where Quadre still had the cast on his hand. We weren't really sure how that was going to play into the game and whether or not he'd see the field or not. But uh, they put him in trying to get a get the you know team jump get him a jump start, get him up mm-hmm. and going, get him a spark. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really see anything to make me think that there's that one or the other has the, you know, has the job right now. No, they don't. Um, and, you know, this is the first time I've seen these lines on Keon right here. But these are a bit skewed because of that one play to, uh, to Ito. Sure. I mean, I know that he, he made the play and he was wide open and he hit him. Yeah. Um, but I can think about I can think of two big drops off the top of my head. You know, right? I, there was I didn't think he played terrible. I mean, he didn't turn the ball over. So for yeah, in, in, in that regard, that's a plus. Fourteen for twenty five, not great, not terrible. Um, and that eighty five yard touchdown pass, hey, that counts. That counts towards the yards. You know, just like it counted for Edo. Um, I thought Quadra came came in, kind of looked similar to the way he looked in North Texas. So maybe it was a situation where you know. North Texas played – I mean, UAB played a, a game similar to North Texas, you know? Oh, abs- I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, you got to tip your hat to UAB, which I have such a hard time doing. <laughs> but it seems like I have to do it every other year or every year. Right. They won the last six out of seven, which is just mind-boggling. But it is what it is, and they were definitely the better team that night. I think they had a better game plan. I think they um, uh, at least – you know, offensively, that like like the one play where they ran like that shotgun draw. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's uh, our, our our rushers just just ran right past him. They ran a draw and and they just they just killed us on that play the entire night. Um, well, that, they, and that being said, we still had to lead for an awful long portion of the game. Yeah, we just couldn't get anything going in the second half. Of and the then offense. Yeah, and then I think the defense just was just 
out. Just well, as tired as they could be. And, you know, I'm not sure they didn't lull some people to sleep with, you know, the way they lost to Charlotte the week before. You know, I'm kind of hoping we have some of that same mojo this week. Is people are, people Before last week, people were on us to beat t- Tennessee, and this week they're not. And I think a big part of that was the loss last weekend, obviously. I mean, we didn't look great. I think we're a very volatile team. It, you know, it could go either way. But we, we still got more to talk about. All right, so what we learned, uh, we, we, we covered that. What we need to work on. Number one, surviving success. You kind of alluded to that a minute ago. We talk about this. We've talked about this, you know, in the preseason. I think we've talked about it throughout the season. Every time we have a home game, I think we talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Whether it's riding a high off a big win, you know, i.e. last week's game against Louisiana Tech, or start the game. We hit hit a big strike on the first play of the game. Oh, man. Could not have started off any better. You know, and and somehow we seem to be snake-bitten in those situations. So, you know – now we don't have to worry about surviving success. Now we just need to get some success. Yeah. But, you know, there's there, – there's, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but, you know, the, the the team had some potential to do better things than what they're doing right now, and it's just not happening. I don't know what the answer – I don't know what's going on or what the answer is, but off, obviously a very, very disappointed – we've been disappointed twice um, because we were not able to sustain wins after we have some success. You know that opening play to Edo – that was kind of like a Dozier leadoff bomb. Yeah, right, right off the bat. Right. I mean, you yeah. couldn't get any higher, and I guess you have nowhere to go but low or yeah. but down. Um, and then you're kind of disappointed, and then maybe you start to you know press a little bit. Well, and and uh, and, and then and then you find yourself like, like I said, and we still had the lead for goodness forever. Um, we got three when we should have gotten seven at least twice that I can remember. Bill Clark's a great coach, and we talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could never really count UAB. I mean, you look back at the preseason, everybody pretty much counted UAB out. And and they were obviously game the other day. And they're, you know, I gave that prediction, I guess, to to the UAB site where I had us winning by like 13. I kind of just went off the line, and I kind of went off the total on the game. But if you looked at our common opponents, the outcomes were very close and very similar. So twice this year we've been favored by – Nearly two touchdowns. Correct. And both times we got beat. Now, we were favored by more than that against Southern, but, you know. Yeah, but twice, oh, well, yeah. So, hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of pretty fired up that we're, what are they, like eight-point dogs this weekend? It's down to six and a half. It started, it opened, I think, at seven point seven and a half. I, I go off what they post on the site. But. Hey, real quick. Let me ask you, since you, I know you had some coaching classes, I played a lot of baseball, never played any football. Played a lot of Madden, um, so I think I know a little bit. But this whole, you know, like when you, when you, you mentioned the uh, quarterback battle, right? And I know traditionally that platooning players hadn't worked out great, but I keep reading between the lines, and I think they're having trouble opening up the playbook to its fullest, just because it's just it's so much, and these are still still two pretty young players. Why 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 can't we have a certain amount of plays for one guy? Like this is these are your packages, and then the other guy here's your packages. And whenever those situations comes up, it's not a knock on anybody. It's just you go in and run your thing real quick. I guess you know it'd be easier to predict if you if you get caught in that kind of type of game, and you know it's kind of like the way that certain teams play with certain point guards. They're just you have that chemistry there with that with that quarterback. Um, I've always wondered why. You know, you're getting more and more of these athletic quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. 
I'm waiting for somebody to come up with an offense where you put two or three of those on the field at the same time. And you have, you know, they make and run as a running back. They make and run as a receiver. They make and run as a quarterback. Maybe you have two of them back there in the backfield at the same time. You don't, either one of them can throw it. So you could literally toss it and throw it. Or I'm surprised that somebody hasn't innovated an offense like that. It would be difficult to pull off because of all the intricacies that would go along with it. But if you had the right talent, that would be, you know, extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, that takes a triple option to like a quadruple option, really. Right. I wonder if we've gotten so far into the spread thing where it's so, well, spread that everybody kind of uses it, that the first person to finally go back to like a smash mouth, eye formation, three yards in a cloud of dust, if they're just going to dominate for a while. Well, you know, we'll see. It, I don't think Alabama's ever wavered. but Well, when you get guys that are bigger than everybody else and that, faster than everybody else, you can pretty much run you whatever, you, do want whatever to, you want. Yeah, no <laughs> uh, doubt. All right, what's our what's our number two on the what we need to work number on? Number two, surviving adversity. And this one goes to the fans. You mm-hmm. know, I kind of feel like the team has had trouble surviving success, and a lot of times the fans have had trouble surviving adversity. You know, you can't tie your self esteem to a game played by eighteen to twenty three year olds. And sometimes I'm just like, I just wonder what people are thinking. I know you probably get a little. little you know, intoxicated, but these players read social media. These fans, I mean, their families read social media. The coaches' families read social media. Leather Knight was disappointing, but, and criticism, you know, is warranted, but at least have some, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you you can't ever attack a player, uh, I don't think. Well, Um, I mean, mean, there's a difference between being critical and just being... A b-hole? Yes, exactly. (laughs) I mean... I don't know, you know. I just see these things, and I'm going, "What's going on?" You got to kind of think, like we've said, you got to keep an even keel about these things. Let's talk about the team this year, all right? We we got a team this year with two inexperienced quarterbacks playing behind an inexperienced offensive line. We just replaced a four year starter at quarterback, this which is going way better than it did the last time we did that. We are sitting right now. I don't know if everybody realizes this. We have, we're kind of in the low seventies of scholarship players on an eighty five man roster. And, and, you know, Todd Munkin had to do what he had to do to get us out of the gutter. And a lot of that was taking one-year transfers, taking JUCO guys. Like what Kiffin's doing right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And Hobson's kind of taking this approach where he's building more through high school than JUCO. And we're taking a few, but we're not taking as many as we were taking. And Fedora and Munkin both inherited similar situations. You know, Fedora inherited a team with a low number of scholarship players. Munkin inherited a team. It took them a couple of years you know, three or four years to get back to where Southern Miss was in the mix for the conference championship. Before the season, we projected the team to be between six and six and eight and four, and it looks like that's exactly where we're going to be. Five and three right now. Now, we're sitting at five and three. You look at the schedule. You got to feel good about two of the games. Two two of the games are Mm toss-ups. Now, that being said, we're only a handful of plays away from being eight and oh, or three and five. Totally agree. When you think about it, when you when you break it down. So, I mean, this is a very volatile team. Uh, you know, we haven't found a, a consistent answer at quarterback, and that's why we're playing the way we're playing. Absolutely. Well, whatever league you watch, where it's NFL, college, um, fantasy, you got to have a good quarterback. And, yeah. And, and, and we have – I think we have good quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. We hadn't had good quarterback play. We've had good quarterback play in every one of our wins. We've had and, it sporadically, yeah. And so, you know, it kind of lives – it's just the, the 
that's just that's just how it is these days, you know. And and these guys know it, and they're out there trying. And um, and boy, they've shown flashes of brilliance, and they've shown like they're 19 years old. <laughs> oh yeah, which they are. And, so uh, and don't get me wrong, criticism is warranted within reason, you know. Right. Um. Oh yeah, it's, it's nothing against anybody, but as far as like the reason that we maybe um have looked better with you know and, and the quarterbacks you talked about earlier we're talking about Austin Davis and Nick Mullins correct two, two record setting quarterbacks that occupied that spot for the better part of a decade um and now these guys are following it when they look like them we say yeah that's how it's supposed to be and when they don't we're like what are you doing well maybe they're not world class you know record setting quarterbacks like we've had we're just kind of used to yeah absolutely so they're still good enough and that's where Jay Hop and Dawson make their money is making these guys fit into what they need to fit into for us to come out with wins. And a lot of times we've done it. And there's still a lot of football left to be played. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to just you got to take it like a cornerback that that misses a, a a tackle or misses a, a, a you know, an interception. You got to move on, regroup, get ready for the next one. That's, that's exactly what the Golden Eagles will hopefully do this weekend. All right, coming up after the break, we have an old college friend of mine, Benji Gray, former mascot, University of Tennessee. So come right back to us. We're going to talk Tennessee and Southern Miss after the break. Welcome back to To The Top Talk. Jamie Arrington, Jason Bailey here in studio. And by the way, I still have not had any luck finding us a plane, dude, to catch a ride to Tennessee. Bummer. I've tried everything. I've, uh, I even talked to my next guest about it. My next guest is, is, like I said, a dear friend of mine. We had some great times in college in what we call the mascot world order. Out of Southern Miss, Alabama, Tennessee. We're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to talk about What's going on right now at the University of Tennessee? So without any further ado, here is my guest for this week's episode, Benji Gray. On the line now, a dear, dear friend from, I mean, we go back probably 17, 18 years, something like that. Big Tennessee fan, entrenched in the history of the volunteers, Benji Gray. How you doing tonight, man? Doing great, man. Happy Halloween to you. Happy Halloween as well. I hope you're not creeping out the kids up there. Uh, you know, I've spent a lot of my time in costumes, so it's not a big change for me. <laughs> now, we met at UCA camp probably, what, 2000, 2000? Probably 2000, wasn't it? Yeah. And you were the mascot at Tennessee for several years. Of course, I was at Southern Miss. And it kind of got to be where every year at camp we were together at Nationals and then – and it was it was like me, you, and Britt from Alabama, and John at Southern Miss, and there was a whole clan of different mascots from the different schools. But it seemed like Tennessee, Alabama, and Southern Miss were always at nationals. We did the first Capital One All America team together. We worked UCA together, so we had a lot of good times back in the day. It was it was a really close knit group. I mean, I think to the point, you know, we between us three schools, we created what the NWO. That's correct. Uh, the mascot world order. That's correct. Wreaking havoc, havoc. Wreaking havoc on the mascot. <laughs> we did. We wreaked havoc on Capital One in Atlanta. I I will say that. You know, it's funny because that was the first year they did that, and if you recall, they had really no guidance, and so they wanted us to do media shoots. So they just put us on a subway yeah. in suits 
with no caretakers. Right. I don't think they knew how to give per diem out and pay because they gave us like $800 cash and then just turned us loose in Buckhead. Yeah, which, let's be honest, you almost need 800 in cash to survive in Buckhead. I, I think me and John came home with just a little bit, but there were some that did not that night. But it was it was a great time. What what were some of your favorite memories from your time at Tennessee? I think you know it varies. Everybody always asks when they find out that I was Smokey. They say, "Oh, you know, running through the tea must have been the greatest experience ever." And I'm actually like, "No, it's terrifying because you have the crowd and your adrenaline flowing, and if you happen to slip going into the turn, you have the entire." football team along with cheerleaders dancers coaching staff and everyone else right behind you because you come out of the tee first right behind the real dog so it's really one of the most terrifying experiences that you have now if you get through successfully job well done you feel great about it but um but that was always you know one of the best experiences and you know competing at uc nationals we won the national championship in 2001 and then stayed in the top five the remaining years I was there, and, and just the camaraderie with with other mascots from around the, the conference, around the country, and, and then knowing the athletes themselves. And I was very blessed. That was on athletic scholarship. So you know, my school was paid for. So that's probably one of the biggest things that I truly enjoyed and went back on. Didn't you, didn't you do Davy, Davy Crockett some too? Yeah, so we have the live character, Davy Crockett, and I did that – in and out my last two years there, which in all honesty is the way to go because you are just wearing Davy Crockett attire, a coonskin hat, you have a imitation rifle, and you wave the flag. So you sit there and you literally get to watch the game from the field and you're not sweating profusely in a mascot head. <laughs> did you ever do anything to get like in serious trouble? I know your counterparts did. Now... I did a couple things. I mean, just being myself, we went to Notre Dame one time and played football. And there, it's very limited space. And so being the mascot I was, I was very exaggerated, busting the bubble, going crazy. And the media had told us, you've only got this much space, you're allotted. Well, I did not follow those rules. And so they literally put me in about a two-by-two-foot square box and said, you must stay in here and not move. And Smokey was shown on the TV in a little box, pretty much. I got back to my phone that afternoon, and I had a call from one of my teammates who didn't go on the trip and said, oh, you must have been in trouble because you weren't moving very much third quarter. So I thought that was very entertaining. Um, Capital One one year, I thought Auburn was getting more press from their university than we were. And so I gave a media interview and kind of said that, and the university did not like it, Tennessee, so I had to write a letter of retraction. But after that, Smokey got tons of press on the Jumbotron. The word was out. So, you know, my motto as a mascot was always to, you know, ask for forgiveness afterwards. Exactly. You still live by that motto? I do. I do. I mean, (laughs) depending on exactly what I do, but – you know, it's a it's a little more in my career and in, in my job. I I kind of do what I think is right, and then I have to explain why I do it, and then typically I don't have to ask for forgiveness. Well, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about 
Tennessee football. What's the mood right now in Knoxville? You know, I think from the get go, everybody was behind Butch. Butch came with a with a strong motto, brick by brick. But everybody now thinks, you know, that that wall has fallen. Um, everybody kind of got tired of his of his mottos and sayings, and and you really hope that. He's a great recruiter, and we have great talent on the team. I mean, you look at some of the talents that have been there, and we've won some close games over the past couple of years, but it's it's almost a deflated attitude. And me being a diehard fan, Tennessee fan, I think a lot of our fans are lukewarm fans, they're fickle fans. They've always kind of been that. You know, you find those fans who want instant success, and they want national championships almost instantly. Um, I'm not really one of those. I'm more level-headed, and I think that's because I've been a coach um, myself, and so I know it takes time to build programs. But what got me was when we played Florida this year, you're on the first at five, and you need five yards to score. Your best running back, Kelly, has driven you 94 yards down the field, and you get within the five-yard line, and you pass it three times with the third one being an interception. So I think a lot of people are just tired of such, you know, from the outside looking in, common sense plays. Like, you should just run it in. Yeah. And so, you know, last week we lost to Kentucky on a last-minute drive. So it, it's frustrating. I think it's frustrating. I mean, the thing is, you're paid to succeed. You're paid a large, large sum of money as a Division One SEC conference coach. You're expected to win. If I don't succeed and do what I'm hired to do, then I'm going to get fired. And I definitely don't get paid over four million dollars a year to do it. No, I don't either. If I, I thought, <laughs> it, I thought at this point in my life I would have a plane so I could fly up there, but I don't have one, and I haven't made any friends with planes. So, do you have a plane you can send down here to Hattiesburg this weekend? No, you know I don't, but I nah. would come and get you if I had one. You're a sweetheart. <laughs> I've also seen where, and let me preface this by saying. A couple of years ago, I don't know if you followed us at all, but 2011, Southern Miss went 12-2. and We knocked off Houston to win the conference championship. They were ranked number seven in the country, knocked them out of a BCS Bowl. We had a couple of slip-ups that kept us from getting that Sugar Bowl spot. And the next year, we hire a coach named Ellis Johnson, who I think he's at South Carolina right now as a linebacker's coach. But he came in here. We went from 12-2 and to 0-12. And he just didn't respect the program. Things went south. So I can kind of relate when a fan base is just ready to get rid of a coach. Now, that being said, I kind of feel like it's about the players when you're at games. What do you think about the potential stadium boycotts that are going on this weekend for the game? So this weekend, you know, it's homecoming. So I find it very difficult for for diehard fans not to go. And I always go back for one or two games. And I don't go back just for football. I tell people I go back because I love listening to the Private Southland when they walk down the street and they're playing Rocky Top. I love watching the team walk down. I love the tea. I love the atmosphere. I love the colors. I think true fans, as much as they want to win, they genuinely just enjoy the experience. You're you're there with people who who support your school, uh, support the logo and the, and the mascot and the, you know, everything that is involved. And that's, 
you know, we can go and lose, and I'm going to be bummed about it. But overall, the experience is overwhelming. And that's one of the things I always loved about the University of Tennessee is, I mean, what other universities, not many, are you going to have over 100,000 people sitting in your stadium? I think that if the boycott does happen, then, you know, you got to make some changes. You know, I've, rumor mill is, you know, every game that goes along is a less amount of money in a buyout. So I don't know the significance or the truth behind that. But what worries me is if you do wait until the end of the season, do you possibly lose recruits? At that point, you know, I think I think a lot of things is about money. I mean, you get to that level in athletics, and if you're losing a large payout in game day, then, you know, it's going to affect your opinion on the product you're trying to sell. So I asked one of my high school coaches the other day, I said, you know, at, at what point, if, if you're as a football coach, if you know you're going to not be asked back at the end of the season, you're going to be fired, does it change your coaching philosophy? And he told me, he said, yeah. He goes, I would call more fun plays. I would call plays more comfortably. He goes, what do I, what do I have to lose? And so watching Butch, like against Kentucky, you know, he's still calling plays like his job is, is okay. So I don't know what the attitude is on that song. Tell the listeners what you do now. So I'm a high school PE and wellness teacher, which rocks, by the way. And <laughs> I'm a wrestling coach, and I'm an athletic director. And so I kind of look at things from all sides now because you've got to look at the financial aspect of it as an athletic director because you, each sport, for example, has to fund itself at our level. Now, at the larger levels, you know, you have big donors. But who's going to want to sponsor a program that's not getting as much media attention or getting as many fans in the game? So that's what I kind of look at now. But if you look at our new athletic director, Curry, coming from Kansas State, he's made a lot of immediate changes that the fans have favored, with the most recent being he brought the Lady Ball logo back. Gotcha. And so, you know, I think he has a plan in place. I think he really does. I think he listens to the fans and, and the people of the University of Tennessee, and I think he has a plan in place. We just don't know what it is yet. You've had some injuries throughout the season. You had a few suspensions, guys coming back, I think, for this week's game. Uh, the quarterback right now, Jarrett uh, Garantano, tell us a little bit about him. So, young man, really highly touted recruit coming in. First game of the season, Georgia Tech, I think he's got a lot of bad press because on the sideline, just his facial expressions, his body tone, showed that you know he was frustrated that he wasn't getting a shot at starting quarterback uh, behind Normandy. So, you know, Normandy went in and, and had a great game, great comeback win against Georgia Tech. Well, the next game, both of them are getting snaps. Um, he played plays a great game. He scrambles well. He can pass. I mean, against Kentucky, he threw a Hail Mary, ended up on the three-yard line. If we had one more timeout, I think we could have driven it in and won Kentucky last week. But you can't win when your quarterback sacks seven times. I mean, it, it's tough. I I think he he can develop well, and I think that's one of our problems overall is we have a lot of great recruits. But over the past five, six years, those four or five-star recruits haven't developed to the next level. 
You've got a couple, you've got a pair of running backs that are pretty solid. You, you're uh, probably your, your main running back, John Kelly's had a great year, was suspended for the last week's game. But Ty Chandler, a uh, freshman running back, came in, filled in for him, had a great game when, uh, against Kentucky going, he had 22 carries, 120 yards, and two touchdowns in his debut. I mean, well, not in his debut, but in the first game as the lead back. It seems like you're always loaded at running back, and this year is no exception. So that's, it's, it's funny you say that because everybody was always anxious to see what do we have behind Kelly. And Kelly, I think, is a very humble running back. He he takes a lot of the load on his shoulders. So we were really kind of worried as a fan base, in my opinion, on what do we got from Chandler. And he stepped up. He, he you know had a great game last week. I think he'll continue to build on that success. And I think it should give you know your coaching staff kind of dual threats now because now we know we've got two solid running backs. You know our receiving core has been suspect at times this year. Good passes, hit them in the numbers, just can't catch them sometimes. Any other playmakers we should be on the lookout for this weekend? Honestly, when I when I look at Tennessee, some of our best playmakers are honestly, and it's I hate to say it, is our our kicking game, our special teams game. I mean, you always have to – Trevor Daniel is one of the, the best kickers, in my opinion, when it comes to uh, punting, kicking, kickoffs. Um, so he's a playmaker. He can put the ball where we need it to give our defense a good shot. But honestly, we don't really have any superstars. I think our guys have stepped up when they have to, and they need to be in the places where they have to be. But we're still struggling, I think, to find a solid identity. I mean, you have a – Switching your quarterbacks, you have a lot of injuries, and like you said, suspension. So it's kind of changing week by week. And, you know, if you're playing for a coaching staff that you don't know is going to be there the next week, I think it would be very difficult to get your head in the right place. For the fans that are coming up to Knoxville, do you have any suggestions on places to check out, things to do, things like that? So if you've never been to Knoxville before, awesome city, a very welcoming city. I think we do have a lot of welcoming fans. They're not, in my opinion, uh, LSU-esque. <laughs> and so if you come in, you know, we hosted the 1982 World's Fair. So the Sun Sphere is in the middle of the city. It's a visual tower. You can go up to the top for free, see the entire city, see the entire campus. Calhoun's on the river. Excellent ribs. should definitely check it out. That is where our Vol Navy sets up. So the Vol Navy is fans who drive boats to the game via the river that borders our stadium. And then we have, you know, several restaurants and bars and little hangouts right along our street. And it goes down through the middle of campus. And then we have the old city too, which has live music and venues that are worth checking out. Well, Benji, I wish you the best of luck. Not too much luck this weekend, but uh, just enough. Do you have any predictions on, for the game this weekend? You know, my only prediction is I think it could actually be a very close game. I was a Southern Miss fan. I would go into the game with my head held high because there's no telling with the Tennessee team this year. I want my Vols to win. I'm going to ball for life, and I'm always going to support them. But, man, for the past couple of years on these Hail Mary endings and things like that, they are the heart attack kids. That was Benji Gray former mascot at University of Tennessee, back here with Jason Bailey. You know, we talked a little bit about being a fan earlier and, you know, kind of going over the top 
sometimes with what people say on social media and stuff and how they react to a game. But I think our fans are borderline um, royal. (laughs) Our fans, you compare our fans to UT fans right now. We look suicidal, extremely mild. All right, I guess we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back. Oh, goodness. Welcome back to To the Top Talk. Jamie Arrington, Jason Bailey here in studio. Are you having some dial issues? I'm, I'm having all kinds of issues, man. I can't figure out what's going on. But anyways, Golden Eagles got a big game coming up this weekend against the Tennessee Volunteers. Southern Miss, 5-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in Conference USA. Tennessee, 3-5, and 0-5 oh in the Southeastern Conference. It's Saturday, November 4th, 2017 at Needland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee at 6.30 p.m. That game will be televised on the SEC Network. The line right now sits at uh, Tennessee being a six-and-a-half point favorite, open at seven-and-a-half. It's come down a little bit. Actually, it came down to five-and-a-half and then went back up to six-and-a-half. All-time, Tennessee leads the series five to nothing. Last meeting, September 8, 2007. I remember that game. Tennessee 39, Southern Miss 19. That's when they had a running back by the name of Arian Foster, if you recall mm. – you recall him? Some of the key players for Tennessee right now, obviously their quarterback got hurt. So Jarrett Guarantano, we talked about him with Benji in the last segment, 50 for 81 on the year, 473 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Running back John Kelly, probably the bell cow of the offense, 125 carries, 615 yards, six TDs, also 26 receptions for 255 yards and three touchdowns. He was suspended for last week's game versus Kentucky, so didn't see the field. Stepping in for him, though, was Ty Chandler. Last week, he had um, 22 carries, 120 yards, two touchdowns, and two receptions for 33 yards. So he was he kind of stepped in, filled in nicely. On the year, 49 carries, 238 yards, and two TDs. The wide receivers at, at uh, Tennessee, um, a little inconsistent. Their leading receiver, Brandon Edward Johnson, 25 receptions for 305 yards and one touchdown. You know, looking at some of the matchups, it's it's really hard to gauge based off of you know uh, different situations, different scenarios. But I kind of looked at some of the statistics: us versus Kentucky, and them versus Kentucky. Um, their score against Kentucky: twenty six twenty nine, our seventeen to twenty four. Total yards on offense: they had put up four hundred forty five yards, we put up three hundred sixty four. But on defense. Um, they held Kentucky to 371 yards. We held them to 254 yards. So it seems like if there's going to be, you know, an advantage for us in this game, it should be the defense. Turnover margin, Kentucky turned the ball over four times and still won. Tennessee didn't turn off turn over the ball at all. Right. We turned it over three times and they turned it over once. So, you know, looking at this game on, on how we played against Kentucky, and, and, and we've changed so much since then, and Tennessee probably has changed – a lot, um, you know, since the start of the season as well. But it seems like this is a matchup that, you know, we could go, we could go in there and, and make some noise. Well, and and with Tennessee, um, Tennessee is um, Tennessee's down, but they aren't so down as like like they aren't like Ellis Johnson down. 
you know right um, right so uh the um i mean you you, you kind of wonder at least i'm wondering how are they going to come out are, are they going to i mean their coach is probably going to get canned maybe like at halftime there's <laughs> you know? there's rumors, there's rumors out right now that a buyout has been agreed to it just hasn't been they 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 found they're trying to find a place for him to land so yeah so i mean i just wonder what kind of team is going to come out for Tennessee? I mean, like you even heard Benji talking about it with the, uh, the, um, on the sideline, just how they looked, just like you know, emotionally, they were, you know, just disgusted, like for not getting playing time and stuff like that. Um, body language just horrible. So you wonder if they're, are they going to come out like with their hair on fire? Um, some of these backups that are getting in, trying to prove to whoever the next coach is going to be, or are they going to come out and just hey? Next year, like this season's kind of done. We're not gonna like try to lose, but uh, I'm not getting injured. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I also think that Sutton Miss has the ability to start off really quick uh, with the playmakers that we have, and I wonder if if at that point these guys would just absolutely lay down, mentally check out. Yeah, you know, I, I or think- if we leave them into the very end and they're like, you know what, let's do it. Let's win these last four. Yeah, you know, so I think you're going to see you got two teams that are, that have nothing to lose, and so it's definitely going to make for an interesting game. You know, Tennessee is Tennessee. They 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 always have some of the best recruiting classes in the country every year. So you know they're going to have some talent. That being said, they haven't been able to put it together very very often this year. I mean, they've had some close games. You know, looking back at the schedule, I haven't watched them very much because I'm usually just watching Southern Miss. But I did watch the one game where they played UMass. Mm-hmm. They beat UMass seventeen to thirteen, and oh, the Minutemen. The Minutemen, and you know this is a the Minutemen were fired up. They were fo- and they didn't do a whole lot. They just gave Tennessee fits with their defense. Well, total yards in this game, okay? Mm-hmm. UMass put up two hundred eighty-one yards. Tennessee put up three hundred and nineteen. So it was a defensive slugfest in this game against the Minutemen, and the Minutemen. You know that was, that was at Neyland? That was at Neyland. Do you hmm. know what the Minutemen's record is? I do not. They are two and six on the year. There are two wins coming against Georgia Southern and App State. They lost their first six games in a row, and their it looks like their seventh game against South Florida was canceled. Hmm. So, you know, obviously Tennessee has some issues. And another issue that we haven't really touched on yet, uh, this came out – you know, right here, you can listen to Clay Travis on mm-hmm. 1400 AM, The Score, on, on one of the stations you may be listening to the, at this uh, to this show on. But he reported that Tennessee offensive lineman Brett Kendrick sustained a, cu- a concussion and was eventually pulled from the Kentucky game. But there were multiple sources inside Tennessee who said that he wasn't pulled for the game until there was only 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and that was only after he threw up on the sidelines. So they had a concussed player out there playing. That's a no-no. So it's going to be interesting to see how that situation plays out the next few days. All right, guys, we got one more segment left right here on To the Top Talk, so you come right back to us, to the top. All right, welcome back to To the Top Talk. Jamie Arrington. Jason Bailey here in studio. Let's shut it down. 
Special thanks to our guest, Benji Gray. You can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. You can follow Jason at Bumper J Bailey. Next week, going to be recapping the Tennessee game and previewing the Charlotte game. Real quick, Jason, do you have any bold predictions for the game this weekend? I do. I have two bold predictions. Okay. Number one, we'll have at least three sacks total. Sacks will be coming from Pax Pax and Pawpaw. Pax Pax and Pawpaw. I'll mm-hmm. take it. Pawpaw's campers and cars. There you go. Uh, they come from Hattiesburg. <laughs> um, also, uh, Tim Jones. Yeah. First TD pet, uh, catch of his Golden Eagle career. I'll take it. This guy's been all over the place, and there's going to be a lot of you know attention directed elsewhere. Sure. Um, he's fast as lightning. Uh, wouldn't surprise me a bit. I, you know what my bold prediction is going to be? This is the weekend that Corey <laughs> Robertson scores a touchdown yet again. Right. If not two, he he usually scores two mm-hmm. on on how this falls. So I think Corey's going to have a big game this weekend. Here's the thing: he was the offensive player of the game last week and did not get a touchdown. Right, because he's awesome. But he's awesome, but you know this is they know they're like we're going to give this to you because we may have to give it to somebody else next week. But you're going to score at least once, if not twice, next week. You know, as much pub as we give uh, Corey Robertson, it seems like the school would come off a number eighteen jersey for me. Hey, for both of us, we can wear it right there in the end zone. Maybe, maybe when we get the Adidas deal, we can. They'll they'll do a better job making replica jerseys than Russell did. (laughs) Yes, I was looking at the Conference USA standing. So we're 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 down, but we're not necessarily out. Of course, bowl game extreme. You know that's that's more than likely going to happen unless something catastrophic happens. But looking at the standings and looking at the games left, you got North Texas, and just this is just in conference four and one. Then you have. UAB, USM, three and two. You've got UTSA and La Tech, two and two. So this is what would need to happen for us to play in the conference championship game. Of course, we would have to win the last three games: Rice, Charlotte, and Marshall. Mm-hmm. Louisiana Tech would need to run the run the table, and UTSA would need to beat UAB. So if if Louisiana Tech runs the table, they play North Texas this weekend. That is that's the key game to the whole thing. If mm-hmm. they don't beat North Texas, North Texas has got UTEP and Rice after that. Ooh. Two games that they should win. Although I still feel like UTEP is going to sneak up on somebody at some point. Um, so Louisiana Tech needs to win that game. What that would do, if if that scenario played out, is you would have a three-way tie for the conference lead. And I don't know who would get who would have the edge, but we would at least be in the mix. You would have USM, UNT, and Louisiana Tech all tied with two losses. We beat Tech. Tech beat if they beat UNT this weekend, and then UNT beat us. So you'd have that three way log jam there for the. And I don't know how they. Sh- I don't know how it would shape out. And I'm of course I'm getting ahead of myself because we got a game this weekend. But they're still well, mathematically well, we're still in the mix. Yeah, and it's not like it's that far fetched. But you are right. Uh, if the first piece of the puzzle doesn't happen this weekend, uh, it's probably not going to happen. I don't see Rice and UTEP beating. But that doesn't mean that we can't still go to a solid bowl and oh, have dude. eight wins on the year. I hope it's New Orleans. Me too. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode this week. Check us out. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. Give us a rating review. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. If you don't enjoy the show, tell your friends. Come back and join us next week. You guys have a blast this week. And hope you make it to Knoxville. If you have a plane, come pick us up. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.